goes from the first step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Special guest in studio today from the St. Joseph County Council, District C. Dan Schetzel's here. How you doing, man? Hey, Casey. I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to talk to you again. Um, I feel like this is important because there are members of the council who want to say some things, but they don't really want to get in big, giant public fights and things like that, but they right. want they want information out there because there's a lot of misinformation that's happening with what's going on. And you and I have known each other for a little bit now. Um, I'm glad that you were able to kind of come on. And I, what I wanted to do, honestly, is kind of turn this over to you and just be like, mm-hmm. okay, what does the council want the public to know? Mm-hmm. And let's just roll from there. So, okay. I mean, we got a, you got a bunch of issues on your plate. I mean, this is really, it's very busy. Sure. It's not boring county council stuff. No, there's nothing boring about what's yeah. going on right now. So, you know, we for the first time in St. Joe County history, we have a Republican majority on the council. Mm-hmm. And so um, as the majority, we have specific things that we believe we need to accomplish in the next eight to 10 years. Um, first of all, our county is facing uh, a, a critical time when it comes to our infrastructure. We have about $200 million in infrastructure projects that we need to address in the next eight to 10 years. So that's the first thing. We've got to find a way to address those projects without raising taxes, and we are committed to not raising folks' taxes. Um, And then when we look at county services, uh, we've got some serious issues there, too. You know, when I campaigned, I talked a lot about the leaf pickup program. Mm -hmm. We saw some improvement, we think, this year. Mm -hmm. We think that needs to continue to improve. Um, The assessor's office, there have been some serious issues about transparency there. Um, the way people's properties. Think? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been talking about it for one or two years. <laughs> and so yeah, go we got Mike Castellan in there now as our assessor, and we're putting resources into that department to make the process more transparent mm-hmm. um, so that we get a higher level of satisfaction among our, among our citizens. So there's that customer satisfaction part with the services we provide. And then in order to do that, we really need to take a hard look at what are the certifications that our people need in uh, county government? Some of our positions are woefully underpaid. We're going to have to take a look at restructuring departments and paying folks uh, properly in different areas, but also restructuring them so that we're eliminating um, kind of duplicity um, in order to be able to pay for that increase uh, in salaries. So, you know, it's kind of a three-legged stool mm-hmm. that we're facing and it's going to take time, but we're dedicated to getting the job done. Well, let's just start with the salaries because, sure. you know, typically speaking, you know, obviously these are public information. You can go look at these yep. things. But typically speaking, the public doesn't like when government officials get paid copious amounts of money. That's so correct. when you start hearing about government officials getting pay raises, it's like, ah, here we go again. Right. Good old boy network, you know, that right. sort of thing. So when you talk about people are woefully underpaid, mm-hmm. like what are we talking about here? Let's take the clerk's office, for example. Okay. Um, we've got uh, a lot of ladies there who are making $32,000 a year. We need to address that by we need to have, um, we need to have plans in place, descriptions of what their duties are, 
which we really don't have good descriptions of their job duties, mm-hmm. in place, and then take those job descriptions, compare those to what people are being paid in other counties, and we know that in order to keep good people there, um, we're going to have to probably raise those salaries. So that would be the kind of thing we're talking about. Now you, we're going to offset that by having those job descriptions in place so we know exactly who we need in those departments. And once we've done that, we can eliminate um, any kind of overlap. Now, what if you get into it? Because, again, your goal, yep. as you've said, is to not raise taxes. Absolutely. But what if you get the descriptions in place, you end up finding out that, hey, we don't really have redundant positions here. We need mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. But they're making, you know, $20,000 less than the state average in salary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Forget about the other counties. Just the state average are right. way below that. I mean, how are you going to come up with that extra money? I mean, how does that work? I think the answer to that is, as a council, we've already identified some redundancies, not necessarily in that department. We've already identified some redundancies. So there could be some things in other departments that help free up money that can help pay for critical personnel. Absolutely. Okay. All right. (laughs) Should we get into the... Yeah, let's do it. I I mentioned the Bidinger thing earlier. Um, We've got, you know, several health projects that are going, this controversial, um, you know, birth cafe thing, and you got the, the homeless hotel... Um, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't the proposed mental health facility thing, that's that's you guys as well, right? Well, we're, we're really talking about two separate things. Here. Okay. When we look at the health department, um, a health department is a bureaucracy led by bureaucrats. People, mm-hmm. And a bureaucrat is someone who's not elected, right? I'm right. elected. I am responsible to the people who elected me. Bureaucrats are not. The health department is a great example of what we believe is a bureaucracy that has gotten out of control. Um, We believe the health department should be focused on its statutory duties, whatever those are, we know what those are, and provide cost-effective, friendly service to the public. What we see in our health department, we think, is rather than recommendations to the public, we've gone through a period of mandates, Uh, mandates that have harmed businesses, have harmed individuals. As a teacher, I have seen that in my students. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... um, Ideologically, we want to see we want to see less ideology in the health department, um, more concrete methodology. We want to see a, uh, a health department that's focused on the health of mothers and babies instead of focused again on abortion politics. So we see a lot of we see a lot of areas in the health department where we can get refocused on what are those core statutory requirements. Now, that means. Um, you know, change in leadership, and that's already happening. Um, Dr. Marker has been replaced. We know that um, Dr. Einturz has resigned and will be leaving March 31st. So we think there needs to be new leadership there. Um, the health department is one of those areas where we can do a lot better job on the core responsibilities if that's where we're focused. What do you think, I mean, just because you've referenced Dr. Einturz, um yeah. why do you think that the the health department has gotten away from, I'll just say, the science of and the medicine of a health department, and they've gotten so far into the weeds on politics. Yeah. I mean, the things that he said and that others have said have been proven wrong over and over again with clinical trials and peer-reviewed research, and, but they keep saying it, and they get really angry when you point that out. Yep. Why has it gone down that path? What do you think the goal is with the health department if it's not the health and welfare of the citizens? Well, I I really believe that, you know, as we've seen, even at the state level, um, more money means more power. 
And I think that is something that's driving some people in that, we could call it an industry or at least in that bureaucracy. What we need to do and what we are doing is bring them back under the statutory requirements. According to the statutory requirements, every grant, every um, appropriation that they want has to go through the Board of Health. We haven't been doing that. We're requiring them now to do that. We're requiring the health department to do that. And tantrums. They are not happy okay. about that. So tantrums. So we are going to require that. In fact, we we had several um, appropriations that were supposed to come to us tomorrow night that have been tabled because they have not gone through the Board of Health. We're going to require that. Um, we're also looking at how can we be more responsible in how we overlook their finances. That's our job as the council. We are the holders of the purse strings. Every grant, every appropriation the health department has should go through us, right? Mm-hmm. And we should require that not only that we understand it, but also that whoever is um, giving the grant or donating the money, they are identified. Just last month, I tabled, I motioned we table, and it was tabled, um, a grant because the donor was anonymous. That shouldn't be happening. The, the representatives of the people and the people have a right to know who's doing business with the county. I've given them um, up. We have our next meeting tomorrow. They've had a month to let us know. I have not gotten a call from the good doctor yet. To let I me know wonder, wonder why they want to keep that secret. Well, I don't know why they would want to, but simply, uh, you know, transparency. The people should know where money's come from, coming from that's going into government action. Well, and this is something that would infuriate the base of either side, really. I mean, you sir, if if it was a Democrat-controlled council, as it usually is, but if it was a Democrat-controlled council and you had a situation where there was anonymous donors doing things, I mean, Republicans would, would be upset. You flip it, Democrats would be upset. Um, just makes It would make sense that the public knows exactly who's dealing with with the government right, exactly. because you never know if there's an, another agenda. You don't know if there's any kind of side arrangements or you mentioned leaf program earlier, any side arrangements or something <laughs> like that that may or may not be happening. Right, um, right. And so the people, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just somebody's like, I don't want any accolades or whatever, but still, if that, if you're going to go that route, then get the money to the council in a transparent way. I just think you should be transparent. People have a right to know who is funneling money through the government. Okay. Um, Dan, we can talk about the homeless thing here in a minute. Yep, Got to take a quick break. Sure. Homeless thing's a big deal in yep. St. Joseph County right now. Dan Schatzel, District C, St. Joseph County Council. He's going to be joining us next, coming up, 95.3 MNC and the all-new MNC Nation. You're listening to Casey Hendrickson's and Weather Station. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson here, all new MNC Nation as well. County Councilman Dan Schetzel's with us today. District C, how you doing, man? I'm Th- doing well. Thank you for joining us. So we we hit a fraction of the health stuff. That you- right. <laughs> Just a fraction of it. Uh, we don't have a lot of time. I think we have to probably turn this into a regular thing if you're you're able to do that with your busy schedule. But the homeless thing's got to be addressed. Yeah. Um, business owners are not happy about the situation in St. Joseph County. Um, there's proposals that have been frankly tried in a lot of other places in the country unsuccessfully. Why are we doing them here? Um, or why is there a proposal to do them here? Right. What's happening with the hotel situation? Is it really working? Cause it doesn't seem like it's working. Fill us in on what's going on, man. Well, I think if you look at motels for now, it depends on who you ask if it's working. 
if you ask the people who live in the neighborhood where uh, the Knights Inn is there on um, Lincoln Way, the answer is definitely no. You know, I, w- I was there three weeks ago, and I just walked around. I went into businesses, and I just asked them a simple question. What's your experience been with the residents of hotels for now? And um, quite frankly, it was really disturbing. You know, I'm a small business person as well as a teacher. And, uh, you know, to be a small business person in this country, it takes every ounce of your energy, blood, sweat, and tears. You may not be successful, and if you are, you know, you have you have put everything you have into that. Well, what I found was that there's a marked difference in the ability of those businesses um, to keep a profit because of the behavior of many of the residents of the motel for now. Um, and part of the problem, I think, is that you have all these folks that are there, and some of them are, are you know, good people who just are really down and out, and some of them are not good people. Mm-hmm. And if you walk into that facility, you don't run into anybody from administration until you've walked w- almost halfway into the facility or, or halfway into the facility. So everything happening out at the front is there's there's no engagement of administration or motels for now personnel. So all of this activity gets the uh, this negative activity moves out into the businesses. So I have businesses telling me they've been broken into by residents. I have businesses telling me that. They constantly have stuff stolen, that they they find needles in their bathrooms, uh, needles on their front yard, that they have residents who will just um, stand out in front of their business and badger the customers as they come in. Um, I had, uh, you know, we had a lady who runs one of the flower shops nearby come into our county council meeting and just cry, openly crying about what's happened to her business. I had a gentleman tell me his business used to be profitable since motels for now moved in. He has moved to an unprofitable status. So... I think you have to consider what happens to the neighborhood that those are put in, uh, those types of facilities are put into. Low barrier means no consequences. Um, residents are not required to meet certain standards as far as getting away from their addiction or their alcoholism, whatever that would be. And so you just cre- you're creating a situation that's really bad for the neighborhood. Yeah, there's um. I want to send you a video. I, I've covered this for a long time. I'm from Las Vegas. I think everybody knows that. This is a huge issue there, massive issue there, because it's warm, you know, and there's a lot of transient people. So a lot of people show up in Vegas with money, then they don't have money. Now they live on the streets. It's very Mm -hmm. common. Um, And this is something that they tried to do a lot of the same stuff that we're doing. Well, so did San Francisco, and so did Seattle, and so did Chicago, and so did everywhere else. It doesn't work anywhere. The only place it works is if it's separated away from your general population. It's kind of like an enclosed commune. There's standards that you have to follow. There's rules you have to follow, and you contribute to the community. Correct. Um, those programs seem to work. Just having a, a warm cot and food doesn't work anywhere, and it really does cause a detriment to the surrounding community. So why are they continuing to push a program that doesn't that doesn't work anywhere? Why are they pushing so hard to expand it here? Well, you'll have to ask them. I can tell you that the people who are pushing it here in St. Joe County are people who either don't, they don't want it in their area because it affects their pocketbook, mm-hmm. right? So that'd be the downtown folks, folks near River Park. They don't want, they don't want homeless people there. So let's put them somewhere else. The West Side, right? The West Side seems to be where you can dump them. So that's what they did. Um, so certainly I think money has something to do with that. Um you know, I just, 
I don't think there was a lot of thought put into what was going to happen to that community. Oh, I think there was a lot of thought. <laughs> well, I maybe. think there was a lot of thought. And, you know, I, truth be told, you know, as we've seen, there is a there is a scheme and there is a template for the scheme to enrich yourself off of this program that is being duplicated all over in Europe, Canada, the United mm. States, and community after community after community. And it's like it's like a rubber stamp template. Right. And it just seems to enrich a certain number of people. They all seem to be connected to one another. Um, and it doesn't help the residents. It doesn't help the neighborhood. It just hurts everybody. That's just my, I know that I'm well, bringing it, you into my world here, but right. that seems to be what we see. It has hurt the residents. Uh, you know, we had a young man testify, just a young boy testify about how he couldn't even go out and play in his neighborhood yeah. anymore. There, so. Dan Chessel, District C, St. Joseph County right. Council. Thank you for the Very work good. you're doing. Appreciate your time. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel and the all-new MNC Nation. WTRC-FM and 